Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, everyone. We're back again. It's World Forge time. Yes. What's up? It's that time of the week again. Monday. Monday. Yeah. Hey, or maybe you're not listening to it on a Monday, but uh, that's when it's coming out. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, We know our our listeners are just ravenously hungry for this content. So you're all listening at 4 a.m. on Monday when we release this. Obviously. It's the (laughs) best part of waking up. A little World Forge in your cup. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And we have got a very fun topic this week, Piper. What is it that we're going to be talking about? We're I, I think we're sort of seeing maybe some like proof of mm. our process here yeah. uh, in, in action a little bit. Do you want to explain what we're doing this time around? Sure do. So uh, I decided recently that I wanted to put together a, a kind of one shot, which is probably going to be a like three shot or something yeah. like that. Knowing um, us, it'll be like a seven shot. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so uh, Sam and then a few of our friends uh, on Twitter are going to be playing with us. And that includes Mike from Dice Tower Theater yes. and also Melinda from Wizards and Wine. Yeah. Um, and so today on air, Sam and I are going to be developing his character a little bit before the game. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I think it's really cool that we have an opportunity to actually create something that has sort of a specific purpose and direction. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everything that we create typically on the show is sort of up in the air. It's like, well, you know, maybe we can use this for something someday. It's just this sort of concept, right? And mm-hmm. I really am excited to get to really take ownership over a thing that we create yeah. here. And I have some ideas. I've kind of started doing some brainstorming already, and mm-hmm. I know what some of the inspirations that I want to draw from are, but uh, I think it'll be really fun to ply our World Forge uh, skills <laughs> to this and, and sort of go through this together. And I, I think that'll help to allow my character to be more closely kind of in entwined into the events of the world because I'm doing it with you, who's going to be running the game. So yeah, I think that'll be a really fun thing. (laughs) I have been, ever since I came up with this idea and started putting it together like a week ago, this is all that has occupied my brain. (laughs) I've just been (laughs) (laughs) creating this intense social network of people that are going to reside within this court, this mysterious group of people who live in the city that I've made. And I've built maps for the first time that are, I've never done maps that are as detailed as this. Um, And it's helped that I'm pulling from a real life place. So I'm looking at those things and I'm incorporating similar landmarks and all kinds of stuff. So I'm very excited to go into these details with all of you. So what would you say are kind of the key inspirations for you in this world? I mean, I know, obviously, but I need to (laughs) kind of help our listeners get a picture of what this world looks like, what it sort of, you know, sounds like and smells like and feels like. Where are you trying to go with this? What are you trying to explore? I'm going to take you to a time a week ago (laughs) when I was scrolling through Pinterest and saving a lot of photos of the amazing costumes that people create and wear for Carnival in Venice. And it's 
these incredible masks, these elaborate costumes. And I was looking at these images and there was one that really caught my attention. It's a picture of the Venice streets and there are three people standing there and they're creating sort of like a cone. Like there's a woman up front. <laughs> they're, and they're in like goose, like V formation. Which but, is yeah. <laughs> very appropriate that you say that because they're all wearing these very similar white costumes that have big like swans coming off of their hats. And they just look very spooky and beautiful. And I was looking at this and what I loved about it is that the way that their masks are, and it's partially because they're far away, it's just like black within their eyes. You yeah. can't really see um, the eyes underneath. And I loved this idea because I was like, well, what if there wasn't like a person under there? Or what if the person under the costume, they weren't like a normal individual? They wore the costume for a reason other than simply let's dress up and go to Carnival. Yeah. Like what if this is there's a reason behind it? And yeah. so I posted that image on Twitter and I said, oh, I would really love to do like a, a campaign around this idea. And a few of our friends reached out and they said, we'd be interested in playing that game. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, now it's happening. So I started uh, developing it. But as for kind of the tone and everything, Venice, Carnival, these costumes, these are kind of the the center of, of where I've started creating from. And I really want this to be all about a society that is sort of, it's past its prime, but yeah. it's holding on to this the relics of what made it once great. These old traditions and the, yeah. The, exactly. The, the formal, like traditional, like clothing of this, this bygone era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so a big thing of it too, I've always really been drawn to uh, the idea of Venice. I would love to go there someday before it falls yeah. into the sea because <laughs> I think it's kind of tragically romantic uh, that it is being encroached by the ocean and slowly going underwater, which obviously anyone living there is probably like, hey, fuck you, that's my house. Yeah. And so I'm very sorry. <laughs> but I do kind of love that there's an I don't know the idea behind that I think is really cool and yeah. that's something that I've taken into this as well the city that I've created it is also gradually sinking and being reclaimed by the sea and I, that has a part of the story that I'm going to tell yeah see like I really like that because we've also talked a lot about sort of the corruption mm -hmm. of this place right that it the the kind of focus of the campaign the impression that I've been getting from what you've been telling me about it is that it's going to be a lot more about kind of political intrigue and yes. like who you know and dealing with like weird you know court scenarios, things mm -hmm. like that. And uh, I really like that there's sort of this mirror of the city is physically sinking into the sea and also kind of morally it's sinking as well. Yes. Like it's sort of on the decline in many different ways. I think that's neat. Oh, thank uh, you. I also – so it's it's funny. I didn't realize it was specifically kind of a Venice – uh, you know, Carnival look, I saw it and I pictured like Mardi Gras and mm -hmm. like New Orleans. And so my mind immediately went to all of my inspirations are kind of like, you know, French mm -hmm. aristocracy, and, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, masquerade type, uh, you know, masks and things like that. So I think that'll be kind of an interesting crossover because I think aesthetically there is a lot of similarities there yeah, definitely. that we can see. And so, you know, if my character is just grounded in a slightly different, kind of background. Maybe mm -hmm. he is a little bit of an outsider. And yeah. that will be a fun thing to sort of see those interactions. I also really love, you know, this is something we talk about all the time that you can build a whole world or a whole story or a whole adventure around a very, very small concept and mm -hmm. just watch how it kind of, you know, balloons out into this, into this huge thing, right? Exactly. I love that you just saw this picture on Pinterest and <laughs> you had this one, like, you know, simple little spark of an idea. And now it's something that it's all you've done all week. Yes. And you've turned right? it into this huge you know, thing. So I, I mean, I, I think that is a great example of kind of the philosophy that we always talk about on the show exactly. is that no matter no matter what you're trying to build like you can start from anything mm -hmm. and you can just watch that little seed grow into a giant 
tree of creation. No, I totally agree. <laughs> and that's, I've had so much fun building out the members of this court because I've decided that there are four families that make it up. And there's yeah. also like the body of the church. And that's kind of what is this society. And cool. everyone falls into those groups. The, and so the, the holy body, the body, the, the spirit, the body, and the. <laughs> you t- trying to do the Catholic thing? Yeah, what, <laughs> what is it? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but he's got a body too. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whatever. <laughs> um, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I've gone in depth and every character has a name, a hobby, their background. I know who like they're married to and who their alliances are. And I have this document I've created and I was looking over it and I'm like, if this one shot either doesn't go very far as I wanted to or it doesn't catch on or whatever, I'm like, I am turning these characters into something else. I'm putting them into my sci-fi story because I don't want to get rid of them because now I'm attached to each and every single one yeah. of them. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, I love this makes me very excited to play in this world. I love how like you are taking ownership over these characters right away. You are, <laughs> are fiercely guarding them. There's something that you want to kind of corral and control and have for a long time, mm-hmm. which is funny to me because, you know, like we said, this is a one shot, but it's probably going to turn into like a seven or eight or nine shot. Exactly. Because we're just going to, you know, one, because we're, you know, clowns that can't keep anything on track here. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to take forever to do anything, but also because I could see this being something that we get into this world and just like it and want to, you know, want to revisit it or want to continue to kind of play around in it. Yeah. And another thing kind of along those lines before we get onto our actual topic today, I really love the idea of putting so much effort into these characters because what I want to be able to do is put you guys into the city and say, pick a direction, go where you want to go. And if you guys are like, I'm going to go into that building there. And I'm like, well, yeah. just so happens, that's where Anton lives. And yeah. he's ready to talk to you because I know everything <laughs> about him. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Totally. I, do you have any kind of sort of techniques in mind for finding, I mean, not to part the veil too much. I mean, I am a player in this world, so yeah. don't feel like you have to overshare this. But, you know, for me as a DM, when I'm designing more sandbox type games. Mm -hmm. I do have little tricks that I kind of keep up my sleeve to help make it seem like my players have kind of the illusion of agency, right? Like I want you to feel like you can go anywhere in the world. But really, I generally have a finite amount of things that you can actually do. And Mm -hmm. then wherever you decide to go, I'll just drop one of those things into that place. I mean, do you have sort of a plan for addressing that? Do you physically say to the north is this, to the east is this, to the west is this? Or do you just have kind of like a a bunch of ideas that can go anywhere? Like, or is it a balance between the two? What are you thinking? So I have a kind of directional plot in mind, but I also, I think one thing that's really helped me personally is that our campaign is centered around this big event. It is Carnival. Yeah. And that's the reason why everyone is here. Yeah. And so that's the nice thing is that right away when you guys are going to come into the city, preparations are being started for this big festival. And so each party member has received an invitation of some kind that has instructions Ooh. on them. But are you physically making invitations for us? Because you should make one for me, at least. Well, you would be the only one who would get it. Yeah, because I'm not going to mail these things to our friends. Um, if I had more time and no job, I would. But, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but no, so like what I like is, is that everyone has directions, but it's not yeah. like an urgency. You get to the city and you can decide to explore. But once you've looked around and seen some things, you can say, well, now I have some, I have this parchment here that told me to go here and meet with somebody. Yeah, okay. And so once you go there, it's like that's when your little side quest begins. So that's kind of the other, I think, facet of this is you can give your players complete freedom to do whatever they want, but also finding ways to incentivize them to do the things that you want them to mm-hmm. do, right? Without without actually railroading them and saying, all right, so you start on your journey going west. Mm-hmm. You know, like your players are going to be like, wait, we're going west? Why? You know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. You can just say, there's cool shit over here. 
your players are going to want to go to the cool shit rather than yeah i mean unless you have a real like mercurial bunch of players that really just want to mess with you as a dm right like <laughs> and in that case i think you have different issues to deal with maybe right. at your table but um you know making it appealing to go and do the things that you want them to do and how to sort of build exposition around those things that encourage your players to do things in a predictable way right yes like, these can be really really difficult things to do and i i'm really interested to see the the sort of foundations that you lay for some of these stories because I know that you have a lot going on in your head and I'm I'm very interested to see what we how that translates into your kind of storytelling in in live action. Oh, thank right? you. So, I'm excited about it too. And yeah. another thing that's I think will help with this as well is I have like a handful of characters that all have some urgency to something that ne- they need accomplished. Yeah. And if you don't find them first, they will find you and they'll come to you and they'll say, you're the only one who can help me with this thing and I need you to do it. Please help. Yeah. And then you guys can decide actually, well, you can decide, yes, we will help you or we've already kind of made an alliance with this other person and no, we will not help you. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And I mean, I assume there are consequences based on who we help and who we don't. I So that's also an interesting thing. And I think it's really important when you are making NPCs for your game to give them sort of a life, mm-hmm. you know, outside of when you're interacting with them, right? Your, your players need to have, you know, in musical theater, they talk about the I want song, right? Like every, Wonderful reference. Ex- yes, every character <laughs> in, in a musical that's like a main character or whatever, they have this song that basically details what their motivations are and what they're looking to do. And mm-hmm essentially what the rest of the story is going to be, you know, what their story arc is going to be. It's little previews of it, right? You need to assume that all of the NPCs that you're creating have something like that that they think about all the time mm-hmm. when your character isn't around. They don't just stop existing when you're when your players aren't looking at them. You know, yeah. they need to have things that they want. And I think that can be a really, really great way to help make your background characters feel more real and also to help create, you know, opportunities for the story to happen. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And one thing that I've actually kind of done on along those lines is every member of my court has something that they are the expert of. Cool. And it like also that. is part of their title. So for example, um, there is Violet, the swordsman, uh, and there is her son or no, her husband, Byron, the sailor. And yeah. they all have something where it's like, is, is it her son or her husband? It's like an Oedipus. <laughs> um, and so they all have these things that they're like, when I'm not spending time in the court or socializing or seeing other things, this is what I'm doing. Yes. I am working yes. on my boats. I am designing a new fashion line. I'm doing something, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so always that's where they'll be if you're like, I need to find so-and-so. They're like, oh, he's at the zoo. You can go find yeah. him tending to the animals. <laughs> yeah. I love that consistency too, right? Because when you are creating these things, like you need to make across the board this this rule that you're generating has to apply right mm-hmm. you need to have everyone in your world that your players could interact with needs to have this trait you know like right. in in the same ways you know you look at your character sheet and your character has their affiliations and their ideals and their background and all that stuff right like all of your npcs should have that stuff too mm-hmm. you know you, if it doesn't matter what it is if you're picking some trait for an npc to have consider just making that a standard thing across all your characters yeah. give all of your npcs this thing, mm-hmm. you know, that you kind of build them around, um, and make that, you know, as just as important as having their, their strength or their wisdom or their dexterity or their charisma or whatever, their desires need to be a thing that you understand. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of the foundation of everything they're going to do. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it works pretty well. Um, should I jump in and start describing kind of the world that we're coming from? Yeah. Give us a little bit of a visual here, uh, I think. So I'm just going to start by reading off this description that I sent to all the players. Yeah. Uh, because it 
kind of encapsulates everything that we're kind of going here. So the part of the world we'll be playing in has European, Mediterranean and Middle Eastern vibes. Magic is abundant and can be studied. It's also used in warfare. Some of the nations to the north are attempting to expand their borders. They've been at war with one another for several years now, but is yet to reach the central lands. Most non-northerners are aware of these conflicts, but don't concern themselves with it. Magical creatures and monsters still exist, but they're less common in the central lands. You can see them in zoos, and some are starting to become domesticated. Many coastal nations are strengthening their navies and starting to explore the oceans, bringing stories of faraway lands that are wild and rich with magic. Indland nations are on the cusp of industrialization. The nobility are investing in art and architecture, competing with one another to build bigger capitals where they can flaunt their culture. It's a very good time to be an artist. Yeah. I So the thing that stood out to me the most when you sent me this description was that last line, mm-hmm. it's a very good time to be an artist. Yeah. And we'll get into this more, but that's basically the whole thing that my character is built around. Cool. Um, I really liked that idea of this seems like a world where it's kind of this like golden age, like mm-hmm. renaissance kind of era, but there is definitely still a class system here. Yes. And that there is appeal to, you know, you you can you have to be born into nobility, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just decide, I'm going to study real hard in school so that I can <laughs> get a job as a nobleman. You know, like that's not how that works, right? If you're looking at a class that you can work your way into, mm-hmm. an artist is a great example of something to aspire to in a world like this, right? Exactly. Um, and so the character that I kind of created, that, that was absolutely an aspiration of theirs. And how they achieved that, I think, is what I want to be kind of the main focus. Because I was picturing them being not necessarily one of the greats themselves, mm-hmm. but that they've kind of built up this mystique. Yeah. They, they have this air of mystery about them. Everybody, they've, they've built a brand, mm-hmm. basically, that they can come into a town and that, you know, they go to all the fancy art shows and they know everything about all the other artists that are operating in town. But, you know, weirdly, they never do any shows themselves. Like, mm-hmm. why is it that we never see their art hanging in museums or whatever? And I think kind of the secret of them is that they're, because they're not this like huge famous artist in their own right, they, what they do is they go and they steal art and then they make forgeries of it and they replace the stolen art with forgeries and they've kind of collected all of the great works of all the other great artists. And so there's sort of this like cat burglar kind of, kind of vibe that I, that I had going on. At least that was the foundation that I wanted to start with here. And that's a cool place I, to start. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Like I really liked the idea of them just pretending to be this great artist, but really all they're doing is just copying other people's art and stealing other people's work. So uh, yeah. the first question that comes to mind when you say that is, if they are stealing art that belongs to f- famous artists and yeah. passing it off as their own, how does that work if somebody would recognize the artist's style and say, well, that's a Monet, you didn't do that? Well, I don't think they're passing off the art as their own. I think what they're doing is they're they're more like an art dealer than okay. anything else. Like they're, they're going in and they're making copies of the art that they want to steal. Mm-hmm. And then when they steal it, they replace it. So it's like it's the perfect crime, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't have to have that spark of vision themselves. They just have to be really good at recreating what they've already seen, which is also a very impressive thing, certainly but it doesn't require that, you know, that artist's genius, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of like holy grail that, you know, is is not something you can necessarily be taught, right? Right. Um, they've taught themselves all of the techniques, but they don't necessarily have the vision, okay. right? So I think that's what, what I kind of pictured is they'll go into a museum with a, you know, a little painting stuffed under their shirt. <laughs> and then when nobody's looking, they swap it out for the real one and then they run away. And now they get to say, I have all the, you know, I truly am the only person who has all of this art. And they, you know, they can... 
they can, you know, show off all of their, their collection and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of like, Oh, how did you get this? You must have some connection with, you know, the great museums of the city or something like that. Like Very cool. that's, that's more what I see is that's how they've kind of bought their way into the, you know, the upper crusters basically. Very nice. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I instantly can see how your character would tie into the specific setting that I've created. Yeah. Which, yeah. so I'm going to go into that just a little bit here. Yeah, and then please we can do. start building your guy please out do. a bit more. So my city uh, is called Savinci. 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 Exactly. I decided <laughs> to pretty much just take the city of Venice and put it into my own fantasy world, which is kind of like what I talked about at the beginning of my description. It has this kind of Mediterranean vibe. My world is very much like what if Earth, but magical and back in that kind of classic golden era time. I like that you mentioned the Renaissance. That's kind of what I'm going for. And so what you and other people would know about Savinci is that hundreds of years ago, Savinci would have been the center of culture in the area. It was a place that grew up very, very quickly. It was originally kind of a place that no one knew about or cared about. And then all of a sudden, these people arrived, the court, the members of the court came, and suddenly they were bringing in these builders and they were constructing cathedrals overnight, it seemed, and incredible buildings sprung up out of nowhere. And they were bringing in artists and all the great nobles came to this place and it was the center of everything that was happening. And then about a hundred years ago, a famine like descended on the land and things started kind of falling apart. And ever since then, people have like drifted away and no one really thinks about Savinci anymore. It's a place that's still there and it's in a lot of people's memories, but it's been kind of forgotten. And there's sort of a magical element to this plague and this famine that's here because there's something about when you near Savinci, when you go into the lands that are around it, the famine has kind of spread outward from there and it's moving very slowly, but the lands are dying and crops can't be supported here anymore. And so a lot of people have moved away. And so when you go towards the city, as soon as you're inside, there's instantly this kind of sickly feeling about it. Interesting. And it like weighs on you and you can just kind of feel it in the air. And it's partially why people don't want to be there. Yeah. So it's a still a wonderful place of like art and culture. And the, the people who live at the center of the city, they're holding on to that once great thing that they had. But people who once used to want to flock to the city, now when you go there, you're like, I feel weird and I don't want to be yeah. here. I think I should leave. So, you know, it's it makes me think of you always say whenever like Metropolis is being attacked by Brainiac or whatever, or whenever Gotham is being taken over by the Joker or Bane or why whoever, would you you're, stay? Yeah, you're yeah. Like, why would you stay there? Right? <laughs> like, why are these people who are kind of trapped? The only people that that still stay here are the people who are kind of stuck here, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't have any other option. It's it's kind of locked in this little snapshot of time, yeah. You know, from from a hundred years ago, all the people who were just like, well, we've always been here. This is the place where you know where you are. Like, we kind of suffer through it. Mm-hmm. It makes me think also of. Um, um, of old Yarnum from Bloodborne, that yeah. it's this beautiful, you know, gothic city filled with all this incredible architecture. And, it, you know, there's so much, there's so much culture that you know must have once been here because mm-hmm. how could you build something so great without, you know, having had humanity reach such great heights, right? And yet, it's this dark and gloomy and, you know, it, none of that exists anymore, right? Yeah. It's just the facade of this former beauty. I think that's really interesting. And I think that's an interesting thing to kind of grapple with as a player, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I could easily see there being, 
you know, all of the nobility. The reason that a character like mine would want to get into that is because if you're not noble, you don't have the power to kind of stave off this sickly corruption and darkness, right? Only yeah. the, you know, the 1% or whatever. They're able to live a semi-normal life because mm-hmm. they have the means to do so. They can they can block out all the darkness where everybody else is kind of living in squalor. Exactly. Sort of in, in the reality of what this place is like. Well, exactly. And those are details that I'll actually be mentioning in-game when you start to explore the city. Is you're going to notice that everyone so the outside of the city on the mainland i've called this the artist quarter and this is where these um the only thing there it's just these big fashion districts in these warehouses where um mask makers uh costume designers artisans are just furiously working to create more and more beautiful outfits and masks to sell to the very wealthy members of the court who live on the island part at the center of the city. Interesting. And so when you go there, though, and you're looking around, there's a lot of people here, but everyone is super malnourished. They all look very, like, sick. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. it's only when you go into the inner part of the city, which I refer to as the Summer Palace, that's where the court lives, and they have all their big, beautiful buildings and everything. At least it doesn't seem as if they are affected because they're wearing these costumes. You don't know what they look like and how it's affecting them underneath yeah. but yeah so that's definitely a detail is that everyone there is pretty sick and there's not a lot of food they have to import all of the food to the city because nothing can grow there and there's not much to go around so it's a lot of like oh you get to like eat a sickly little fish and yeah. a pile of grain and <laughs> now go and sew 20 costumes for fashion week <laughs> I, I like that it feels like um like a leper colony with like a nice coat of paint right you know? yeah like that sort of the thing like everyone there is just like dying and miserable but they all kind kind of put on airs of being in the greatest city in the world, mm-hmm. right? I love yeah. that. So despite the fact that this place is very sick and everything, there is still a big draw to come here, though, yeah. because of all the culture that they still hold within the walls of the Summer Palace that it, they have it, for themselves. It feels like they're desperately trying to, like, take that back. They're like, we, if we can make enough beautiful art, then people will come back again and everything will be fixed. Well, it's, it's interesting you say yeah. that. They... Well, I can't really go into that information, but it's interesting you say that. (laughs) We've reached our first spoiler alert here, audience. There's actually very specific rules in this city about the amount of time that outsiders are allowed to spend here, because Mm -hmm. it has been confirmed that there is something wrong with this place, and if you're there for too long, you will get too sick and die. And so the amount of time is... it's like 25 years that's the amount of time you're allowed to live in the city that's okay. before it really that, oh that's like way long i figured it would have been like you get a one week visa or whatever to stay <laughs> oh no well that's the interesting thing is that like people would go to the city and be like i can take it but if you're there for a month you're like i feel like shit like i just feel down <laughs> i want to leave and a lot of people just leave on their own because it just has this kind of magical bad feeling about yeah, it yeah but so your character someone who's involved in this art world i think they would be drawn to Savinci because they know that at its center there are some of the greatest paintings in the world that no one gets to see except for the court. Yeah. Because the court is constantly sending out scouts into the out the wider world to say, find us artists, find us performers, bring them here. We want to be entertained. We want the greatest art. We want the greatest literature. We want the greatest minds to come here and speak to us. And so there's a call for like talent to come to this place because they have so much money and they will give it to you yeah, if they yeah. if they get the art that they it, want. It's an out artist's of you. dream. You can actually make a living. You'll have, you'll find a rich patron in Savinci and then all your dreams will come true. You can just do your art and you'll never have to worry about anything again. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a very exclusive invitation, and so not everyone is allowed to just simply come there and be like, "Look, I can do finger paintings." And they're yeah. like, "Nope, you have to yeah. leave." <laughs> um, and so I think your person would know that, that reputation about this place. And that should be part of why they want to come to Savinci. And why I'm trying to build up this, this sort of 
brand of like, well, I'm the greatest art dealer in all the land. Of course you want me here in Savinci. And then I'm going to go and steal all their art and bring it back home with me or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of my goal. So yeah. you being an art dealer, I think that is kind of where we should base your motivation for the start of why they'd let you come in. Yeah. Is the idea that you have had contact with one of the heads of the like major families and told yeah. them, I can bring in some incredible pieces. Is that what you're Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I like that I made a connection here. And to me, I'm like, this is my golden ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I can make it into Savinci, all the work that I've been doing for my entire life, trying to raise myself up from, you know, just being like a peasant living in the mud or whatever is, <laughs> it'll all be worth it. This is the, this is the dream. This is like the highest peak I can possibly achieve in my life, not having been born into nobility. So I, I like that. I, at the beginning of the story, I am granted an audience with one of the nobles and I'm invited to, you know, an art show or something like that. I think that would be a cool way to sort of open the door into Savinci for, for me. I agree. So that would mean that your character, when they arrive, they do have to come with some pieces that they yes. promised. Yes, of course. Yeah. And then so, you can obviously decide if those are actual pieces or if they're forgeries or whatever yeah, you want to go with. I, I mean, I think I definitely have sort of a, a stock of forgeries that I, you know, keep in tow all the time. It's mm-hmm. just sort of my like baseline of all these things. I mean, maybe some of them are real, right? Yeah. Because they would be ones that I've stolen or ones that I, you know, I I made a forgery of them. And then when I stole the real one and replaced it, I was like, you know what? I don't have room for this in my house anymore. I'll just put it into my, into the cycle of you know, the show cards basically, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I think that there would be, I would travel around with like a cart of all of these different paintings and sculptures and things like that, that are just sort of the, these are the ones that I kind of bring out to impress people, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like to receive this audience, I think you should communicate to the head of the family and I'll decide which one later that uh, will be interested in this. But there has to be, I think, something special. Maybe like maybe there's one piece that's never been seen by anyone before. Oh, I like that. By like a great artist. And yeah. Like, I have this and I will let you debut it because the event that is kind of centered around this campaign is um, this celebration of Carnival, which happens once every 25 years, coincides with the, you know, at the end of this, the people who have been in the city for that amount of time, they are asked to leave for their health. Yeah. Um, And so it's a week long celebration where each house will kind of put on a day of festivities and there's like a grand party every night and it's leading up to this big event on the last day of the week where the court assembles and they have some meeting that takes place it it lasts the entire day but so each household is competing with the other to throw the best party leading up to yeah exactly it's like a bar crawl kind of thing you go from rich manner to manner to and you have to judge each one exactly right and so this uh the head of this family who brings you in would say i need something really big that's going to outdo all the other families cool. what is a piece that like will really make me be the the greatest art owner in all of Savinci? okay what i immediately see for my character in this is i'm definitely making promises to all of these families oh boy right? and i'm probably <laughs> making different promises to each of them kind of hedging my bets to you know like one of them i you know i get a sense of oh they have this kind of grecian like you know antiquity there's like marble sculptures all over their house i'll tell them that i have the greatest uh marble sculpture of all time and then the next one it's all these like fantastic tapestries that are you know hanging from their walls depicting you know great battles of years past and i would say oh the the battle of you know such and such i have the only existing surviving tapestry of that like every single place i go i'm kind of measuring my opponent a little bit Mm -hmm. and then 
promising them whatever I think will, will be the most effect, the most like little delectable little treat for them. Right. And then in the end, I'm going to kind of pick one and decide I'm kind of balancing all of these different cons all at once. Right. (laughs) Um, that's kind of what I see for my character maybe. And I think that's sort of the thrill of it is that they like always walking the razor's edge that they can get caught at any time. I mean, you know, that's sort of like an interesting criminal profiling thing is there's this sense of you kind of want to get caught because then it means you get the notoriety of having been the greatest everybody it all comes out everybody then knows you're the greatest criminal ever and no one will ever beat you right (laughs) um i i think that's really interesting very Um, cool i would say what i think is really cool about this is that i'm telling all of these noble families that i have the greatest piece of art ever and i would spend this whole week building myself up as the you know the guy that can bring this here and no one has seen any of it yet so every the whole city would be kind of talking about it they're like oh my god did you hear about this incredible painting that he has that he's going to show us like see whatever. i feel like you need i like this idea yeah. but your character has to come with some sort of collateral because oh, yeah, i feel sure. like this court they've been around a long time and they are used to grifters coming by and promising things yeah and so for you to even be invited to carnival in the first place you'd have to put a little coin on the table first so you need to show them something that's kind of great oh yeah that's like a hint of this incredible thing that you're going to show them later otherwise they wouldn't let you in their houses to be like this is a guy who's promising things and we haven't seen anything yet absolutely maybe sort of the the trade-off that i make is that i i surrender like like you said the collateral right Mm -hmm. each house that i go to i tell them look i can't show you my greatest piece yet okay there are other interested buyers i have to make sure that i'm getting you know i'm doing the best for me because if i get the highest price for this it means i can afford to buy bigger and better art and continue to you know help grow the prestige of you know the city of savinci or whatever by by bringing the best art here so they would all say yeah okay 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 but you got to give me something Mm -hmm. and so maybe what i'm doing is i'm leaving you know different forgeries with all these families and that kind of sets a timer that if they're gonna they're gonna have this forgery now in their possession they Mm -hmm. can inspect it closely Mm -hmm. yes any of them can figure out that it's a fake yeah you know at any time so i'm kind of like it's it's like the clock is ticking for me to accomplish my goals here and then find a way to you know either steal that art back or to you know pay off that family after i've made some other successful deal so they don't out me or you know something like Mm -hmm. i i like that i'm kind of setting up this sort of trap that I am falling into myself <laughs> I a little like it, bit. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, I like the idea of just this sort of like wild card chaos. Like, I have to keep wheeling and dealing. It's the only thing that keeps me going. I'm like, a, I've got a, I've got a, I've been bit and I have to <laughs> keep fulfilling that urge. One thing that I really like about this is that there are definitely people within this court who would have an eye for this. And if they looked at it closely, they would know instantly. Yeah, for and sure. So I would, I really want to incorporate some dice into this and some chance and to yeah. say, I'm going to roll the dice. And if it's like evens or odds, they're going to maybe know right away this is a fake. Or they're going to start. And then how do I spin that? Do I be like, that wait, excuse me? Mm-hmm. It's a fake? Are you accusing me of not being able to tell a real from a fake? You know what I mean? Like, do I overpower them with my confidence? Or, you know, can I convince them they're wrong? Or do I have to be like, I've been grifted. Someone has given me a <laughs> fake painting. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting ways out Definitely. from that. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat. Um, I, so let me, let me back up here a little bit. I kind of want to talk about some of the inspirations that I had for this character. Please because, do. Um, like I said, I, first thought of this kind of like oh, a French uh you know art connoisseur he you know goes from town to town and buys the best art in all of in all of you know Paris or you know whatever <laughs> like I've I've kind of been 
that was what I sort of viewed in my head. But then we're talking about the Renaissance and the, the Italian and Venetian sort of influences. And it's got me thinking more of like, it's you auditore from Firenze <laughs> who, you know, who goes to, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, where I necessarily want to land with this character, but I like all of these sort of ideas. Um, you want to be I, really funny. It'd what? be very hard to maintain, I think. But if for each house that you go to, you take on a different accent oh and persona. <laughs> I actually do sort of love that. Again, like, I'm just hungry for the con. Like, I have to be conning someone constantly. Although I would say uh, cautious with that because Melinda's character is someone who's literally a, a changeling and yeah. she can shapeshift into different people and that's a big thing that she's oh, going to be doing. So she would know. She'd be like, I, you're just a guy who's just faking this. She's you're like, a- <laughs> you're appropriating my culture of shapeshifting and being other people. Well, and you know what's kind of interesting about that is I do really want there to be, you know, so I said I'm, I'm like a cat burglar kind of, right? I My idea was that I would literally be playing a tabaxi and I love it. that there's sort of this like hint that like oh yeah like it's obvious that a tabaxi would be a literal cat burglar right you could just so pull the racist card yeah, you're well, like how yeah. dare you <laughs> exactly that's kind of the thing is like that's my defense i'm like that seems a little obvious doesn't it you know like i'm hiding in plain sight kind of i like it um but some of the inspirations that i had here i definitely one i wanted to talk about um, you know, like Lupin the Third, classic, like anime, kind of suave, you know, cool Italian art, uh, Italian or, yeah, he's Italian, I right? I think he's Italian. Yeah, the Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah. Um, a- Italian, like, art thief, right? Um, but I also wanted to talk about a real life Italian art thief, uh, Vincenzo Perugia, uh, which I'm probably not saying totally correctly, but, uh, he pulled off in 1911 what is considered by many to be the greatest art heist of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So basically what he did was he he was an Italian who was working in uh, Paris at the time and he uh, basically just he got uh, like a like a worker's uniform that the workers of the Louvre would wear he walked in the front door went up to the Mona Lisa, just took it off the pegs and then hid it in his smock and walked out the same door he came in. Oh my gosh. Like just the, the, the confidence. Yeah, exactly. The confidence to just walk in and take it. Right. And there's all these theories about like how he did it. You know, like some people said he put it in his smock and others were like, well, he was only 160 centimeters tall and the Mona Lisa is like a 40 inch by 30 inch painting or whatever. <laughs> so like he couldn't possibly have fitted it. He would have had to take the smock off. And you know, so there's all these kind of theories. Right. Um, and what he ended up doing was he, he got away with it. Um, and he went back to Italy and he had this painting in his apartment for like two years or something like the that. The Mona Lisa? Yeah, the Mona Lisa. It was just gone for two years. Um, and eventually what happened was he basically got, I, I guess they said he got kind of impatient. He was just sitting on it for all this time. Wanting and, someone to catch him? Yeah. Well, no, I think he, his grift wasn't that he wanted to have the Mona Lisa. And th- there's different theories about this, right? But mm-hmm. I think this is interesting. They, they talk about kind of the motivations behind why he did this. And some say that it was an act of patriotism, right? That he wanted to bring the Mona Lisa back to Italy because he was like, this is where it should be. It should Italy should have the greatest art in all the world, right? It does not belong in a museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, other people think that, um, you know, apparently commonly art thieves use art as collateral to get like loans for different things. So like a criminal will steal a painting, then they'll apply for a loan and use that <laughs> art as like a down payment essentially so on the funny. loan and then they just you know run out with all the money or whatever. can you imagine someone walking yeah. into a bank and being like well i just happen to have the mona lisa and they're like well i just happen to be on the phone yeah, with the cops exactly exactly <laughs> so that's the kind of thing it's like how do you you know how do you move it right <laughs> um but so what he ended up doing in 1913 he called a worker at the louvre and he said hey i've got the mona lisa i you know i found it this thief must have taken it and i can bring it back to you expecting like a reward for its return and then they arrested him because they were like, well, 
what you just stumbled upon the mona lisa in somebody's <laughs> attic or something you know like what how did you get this you know they ended up arresting him and and it was you know returned to the louvre and they actually said that this event it, you know the mona lisa was a famous painting before but it wasn't like the most famous painting in the world and it having been stolen and then brought back like ceremoniously elevated it to the status of the most important painting in the world oh, essentially yeah. and you know now it's the mona lisa that we all know as mm-hmm. like the painting right yeah i think that's so interesting i think that's such a cool it's such a cool idea thinking about why would an art thief do this you know are they doing it for the money are they doing it for the notoriety are they doing it for some you know kind of higher ideal like patriotism or nationalism or something like that yeah i think that's really fun um and i i like the idea of this character just kind of being a guy you Mm -hmm. know we don't necessarily know if he did this all the time but he did it once and he was really good at it so Maybe he did do it all the time, and this is the only one we caught him for, right? I like the idea of kind of what you talked about with these motivations in the beginning of the episode of there's something – this guy, it sounds like he has maybe like a chip on his shoulder about like status and yes, class. certainly. And that's partially why he does it. Sort yeah. of like almost a Robin Hood stealing from the rich yeah. to make himself the rich person, although he's not giving back to the poor. He's like, no. it's mine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the other things that I was thinking about, too, is you know talking about the motivations behind mm-hmm. why you would steal something. Are you a benevolent – you know, I see this town where the the upper crusters control everything and everybody else lives in squalor, right? Am I trying to take from them because it's a moral thing or am I trying to take from them just because they're a good mark? You know, they yeah. have things to steal, whereas the poor people don't have things that are worth stealing, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, where do I stand on this morality scale, right? Am I yeah. looking out for myself or am I trying to look out for everybody like a Robin Hood kind of character? I think those are really important things to have in your pocket, especially, yeah. obviously, in D&D, it has the whole, um, you know, uh, with like chaotic good or, yes. or, or yeah the or, alignment system exactly There's a lot of different directions that we could go right yeah. to kind of pull into that and i kind of like the idea of almost being able to say well even though the right thing to do is this i'm going to play my character in this negative light and i'm going to just yeah. like screw all y'all <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm out for myself <laughs> and I, to hell with your party totally. and your lineages well, and-, and, and that's another thing that i kind of like is that no one will i i don't really want anyone to ever have a solid grasp on if i am trying to be like a good guy or a bad guy i cool. want people that you know sometimes they'll think oh no he's not so bad he gave all that money to the like the um the character siren from full metal alchemist mm-hmm. she's that like sexy teacher who is like a thief in the night or whatever and every time edward elric is close to catching her she's like oh but you don't understand i stole all this money so that i could build an orphanage for all you know for the orphans and then the next day the orphanage like burns to the ground she's like like, yeah exactly exactly (laughs) like i like that i always have a different story and i'm probably just jumping from like one time being caught to another time being caught (laughs) constantly i think that's really fun the kind of madcap nature of my career (laughs) absolutely um do we want to throw in a random word prompt thing just to like see if we can add a little bit more flavor before we sort of wrap up yeah let's do that i have a a few more kind of inspirations that i wanted to circle around here a little bit so let's let me i'll let me run through some of these and then let's put a word in there and see if we can apply that word it it would seem silly after you know 83 episodes 84 episodes of the show of applying random prompts and talking about how great of a way to create that is to not (laughs) do that with a character that we're actually going to use so yeah so the next couple inspirations that i had here some of them were just kind of like aesthetic inspirations um i wanted to talk about uh the cat returns the miyazaki film where Mm -hmm. it it's not that the cat is a little thief or anything but he's just a cute little cat wearing a suit and a top hat and a cane like that's how i kind of want to look i want to be this sort of dignified refined tiny little guy i love that Um, idea yeah i think 
Do you think he would actually be pretty short? I think he would be small. I mean, he wouldn't be like house cat sized, right? But I want him to be kind of unassuming, right? Like I I really like that. Just small enough that people would be like, well, he couldn't lift a statue. He (laughs) couldn't steal it if he wanted to, right? But maybe there's something kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm replaying this character as a rogue, but maybe there's just a hint of magic to me somehow that allows me to, I have some artifact that I can use to help me steal these things. Or, you know, I have a bag of holding or whatever. I can stuff anything into a bag and no one will know. Yeah. Or that right? spell that Tommy had in the game where he can climb on walls. Yeah. Yeah. Spider climb or yeah. something like that. <laughs> I, I think that there, there could be interesting sort of facets to that. But just visually, I, I like the idea of looking like that or actually Sly Cooper. Cute. Um, the, the video game series where you play as a, the thievious raccoonus, uh, is what they call him. He's, he's a little raccoon that he is kind of a Robin Hood figure. He steals from all the rich people and gives to the poor. Mm-hmm. And what I really wanted to hone in on with Sly Cooper is he has this really interesting movement mechanic where he has like a little shepherd's crook, like a, a little cane that he walks around in, and he can use that to slide across um, – you know, like ropes that go from building to building or like power lines or whatever. And that's how he can move very quickly across the city. Is I like that. He climbs up buildings and then he hooks his little cane onto a, onto a rope and he slides to the next one and nobody can catch him because it's just this really interesting mechanic that only he has, right? Like really anyone could do that. Yeah. But he was the first one to think of doing it. I love right? that. I've got this yeah. very like dapper gentleman thief yeah. idea in my mind. I love it. That's absolutely what I want. The, the gentleman thief is exactly where I wanted to kind of be with that. Very um, cool. I, I do think I will I will go with the French accent for him. I, I think that will be the most appropriate one for to use here. <laughs> I think your your little whiskers are kind of combed together yes, into a little twisty. Yes, into a twizzly little mustache, yeah. <laughs> Cute. I love this. Um, the other ones that I wanted to talk about were uh, – so Danny Ocean, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you can't have a better modern personification of the gentleman thief than – uh, than uh, uh, Danny Ocean yeah. uh, as played by George Clooney. George Clooney. Obviously. There you go. Sorry. I, was, I couldn't think of George Clooney's name. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, George Clooney is like the perfect example of that. If only he were a cat, then that would be me. Perfect. Um, but also, uh, you know, we've got Carmen Sandiego would be a great example of a thief that kind of has like a moral, so, you know, you learn things from Carmen Sandiego while she's, she's teaching kids about geography and yeah, history. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why she's really doing it, you know? Um, it's for I the also, children. <laughs> yes. I also really like, uh, D.B. Cooper. Uh, so again, real life person who just disappeared and was never caught. Probably. We don't know. He, uh, he stole a bunch of money and then jumped out of an airplane in a parachute and was never found. Oh my gosh. And it's this like crazy, pre- it's like this thing that's too, it's, it's too crazy to be real. What you time know? period was that? This would have been like the sixties. Okay. Yeah. Actually, so funny story. When Mad Men, the television show was nearing its end, mm-hmm. in the opening credits of Mad Men, you see this silhouette of Don Draper, this kind of like art deco mm-hmm. style, like very, you know, minimalistic, uh, silhouette of Don Draper falling through the skyline of New York City, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody really knew how the show was going to end. Everybody was kind of like, it can't just be like a happy ending for Don Draper. He's kind of this con Suicidal, going to jump off the building? <laughs> no, a lot of people thought that it was going to be revealed that because Don Draper kind of lived a double life, he was lying about his identity the whole time, maybe it would come out that he was D.B. Cooper. And then, <laughs> you know, and that was how the show was going to end, was he was going to take all the money from from Sterling Cooper mm. and then jump out of an airplane and, you know, escape. I thought that was a hilarious and, like, <laughs> silly theory about how the show was going to end. That, that turned out been- to be very wrong yeah 
I, I liked that a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea of this being a character that they're willing to take any ridiculous risk. They'll mm-hmm. jump out of an airplane with the Mona Lisa if it means they can get away and never be caught, right? Because the thrill of the, the steel is what they love. Very cool. Yeah. I like this a whole lot. That. So yeah, those are my, my kind of inspirations. I also, so another interesting little fact here, according to the first sentence of the Wikipedia page for Art Thief, um, <laughs> only five to 10% of stolen art is ever returned. It's actually like a really uncommon thing for art to be returned in the way like the Mona Lisa was. Yeah. So I actually would maybe see that as if you can make a successful heist happen, then you're kind of in the clear, you uh-huh. know, that makes it a really safe bet as, as a thief, as long as you're patient and not, you know, going to get yourself caught because you are trying to sell it somewhere that you shouldn't be selling it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the last thing, just talking about how to name a character like this, um, I wanted to give a little shout out here to uh, another podcast that we love, Reply All, that did a story about a real, I, I wouldn't say con, but like kind of a secret identity. Um, they Reply All is a show that they talk about kind of weird like mysteries and just like interesting kind of human interest type things in the news and typically involving technology a lot of the time. And they talked to this woman on one episode who she was kind of like an internet detective and she loved figuring out celebrities' secret Twitter and Instagram profiles. And she would talk about the way she would do it. You know, she'd look through people's friends lists and she would, you know, she did all this like really obvious kind of sleuthing to figure out who people were. And one of her biggest unveilings was a couple of years ago, she found it was Mitt Romney's, I think, Instagram profile, and he was going by the name Pierre Delecto, which I just think is so funny. It means like pure delight or something in French. And so she would, you know, she did this with a couple of different politicians. She had found them and, you know, a lot of them wouldn't really respond when she would call them out, but it was, you know, it was like clear that that was the case. They would mm-hmm. kind of shut, shut the doors and go into, you know, like silent mode. And, <laughs> you know, that was sort of their, their admitting that it was them. But when she confronted Mitt Romney about it, who, you know, apparently like speaks French, he like worked in France for a while or he, he did something in France. And, uh, she said, Hey, Mitt Romney, I'm pretty sure Pierre Delecto is you. And he just responded, C'est moi. C'est moi. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> the most badass way to respond. It's like insane. You know, they say in the episode two, they're like, it's insane that like Mitt Romney is actually that cool. Right. So that's really the energy that I want to harness with this guy is like, I feel like confidence is his number one thing. He always feels like he is in control or he can at least make it seem like he's in control even when he's totally not and he would need to have a cool name like pierre delecto i might just use pierre delecto because that's a delightful name i think that'd be fabulous <laughs> yeah so those are all the, the things that i want for this so yeah i think that's a really good starting point for this let's maybe see if we can get a random prompt and you know i, I don't know if i want to necessarily use a random prompt for this i mean i'm, I'm curious to see if i can use that to infuse a little bit of kind of randomness into this. I, I think I'm happy with what we have now, but I would love to see what maybe this yeah. will evolve and what will take this to the next level. Totally. You know? so, I mean, there's no harm in adding it just in case. Yeah, exactly. So Piper, what kind of a prompt have you got for me here? So the random word that I have for you is the word wire. Wire. Ooh. Okay. So what this immediately brings me to is the idea of, you know, when you do like a sting, if you're wearing a wire to, okay. to like spy on somebody, maybe yeah. there's another like rich patron that is putting me up to some kind of a scam or something like that. Interesting. Maybe, maybe now I have to be working for some weird art collective that has a similar motivation to me and they need me to get intel on a on another 
collector or a broker or something like that? Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that is kind of interesting. Uh, there, uh, I think there's a lot of things interesting about the city, but the idea that there is so much secrecy about the court. Yeah. And certainly. so I can definitely see a lot of people maybe just like overhearing, you know, like, oh, you're going to Savinci. Tell me about everything that you see yeah, there. Yeah, we don't back get and, to gather intel from there all the time. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, tell me how the families are doing, blah, blah, blah. Like, how's how are the buildings looking? Things like that. That would yeah. just be kind of interesting. No, I agree with that. And it doesn't necessarily have to play into, like, your motivations. But maybe it's just, like, a detail that you can have in the back of your mind that you could add, like, some flavor into some of the dialogue later. But who knows? I agree. And I like the suggestion that there are other organizations that have similar motivations to me that, you know, that also want to know about what's going on here. You know, I as an individual am trying to make my way into the higher class, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe there is a guild of artists that's trying to say, well, you know, the the best market in all of the world is uh, ceviche. Savinci. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we need to find a way to get in here. Let's send in a mole to try and kind of stake things out and give us the intel that we, you know, what do they want? Mm-hmm. What kind of art are they lacking right now? That would be kind of an interesting thing. There's just another faction at work here. I just had an idea and it's different from what we described so far, but I just want to throw it out there as like a fun thing to kind of play off of. Yeah. But this idea that maybe. This organization, because you've been, you know, selling off all of these counterfeit paintings, yes, yes. maybe some powerful group or individuals, they've caught you, right? And they had you tied to that chair and they're like, we're going to kill you or you can work for us. Oh, you can sell all of our fake art. Now. Well, you can gather this. Yeah. You can go on yeah, this mission whatever. that like is potentially dangerous. Like we don't want to risk any of our men, but we can send you in there. And so maybe yeah. that's part of like your character's motivation too. You're not simply just doing it for yourself to say, oh, I'm doing this because I want to like dupe these guys or the thrill of the hunt. But maybe there's this threat of like death from this outside group yeah. or harm. And that's part of your motivation as well. And, and that makes sense with yeah. everything we've built for this character so far that they kind of love walking the razor's edge, you know, walking on a wire here <laughs> that uh, they're always excited about the idea of almost being caught. Mm-hmm. And that because they were opening themselves up to that risk, they ended up getting caught mm-hmm. by some other organization. And now they're kind of like, oh, I'm a little bit beholden to them. I have to, I, I have to do this to kind of free myself. And I, I kind of get off on that a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, that's like an exciting thing. I like that. Yeah. I, I love the idea of this, uh, of Pierre. Um, we're going with Pierre. I Very think, nice. Of Pierre just being so self-important and like full of, you know, he thinks I'm the best thief in the world. And even if I get caught, I did it intentionally. And that's <laughs> part of, that's the thrill of the chase. You know, like <laughs> if you found Pierre in a, you know, in like a little, a lounge somewhere, he'd be smoking a cigarette out of a long filter and be like, Oh, you know, the canvas is like a woman. You can only understand <laughs> when you, when you make love to her. Like that's the way that Pierre would like talk about <laughs> things. Like I, I, I really like that, that Pierre is just obsessed with this the the mystery and the intrigue and the game is exciting to Pierre. He fancies himself a man of mystery. Absolutely. Whether he is Absolutely. or not is up for everyone else to decide. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that's really, really fun. And I think that's that's a really exciting type of character to get to, to get to play. Yeah. Because I get to just pontificate. I get to get up on my little soapbox and talk, you know, be obsessed with myself, you know, which is... (laughs) Something uh, you do very naturally. (laughs) Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. I I think, I don't know. I I think there's a lot to that. There's a lot of freedom to kind of role play. It's hard to role play a character that's kind of like introverted and doesn't want to be in the spotlight all the time. Mm -hmm. It's easy to role play a character that always wants to be the center of attention because 
you get to talk about yourself a lot. I mean, that's a defining part of your your personality. So yeah, definitely. I would rather infuse that into my <laughs> character. <laughs> so I think that's a good a good place to be with it. So yeah. Do you think this is a character that you can run with? Is this a character that enriches your world, Piper? That you're trying to build? It's a character that will. It he fits very well. <laughs> a character that he fits very well into the the world and society of Ceviche. I feel as if. Once Pierre gets inside the city's walls. Venice. Venice. Yeah. Are you doing this on purpose? Uh, Yeah, I remember. (laughs) It's Da Vinci. Think Leonardo da Vinci, but with a C. Da Vinci. I keep thinking it's like like Venice, but like an anagram of Venice. It kind of was. Yeah, sort of was. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Ceviche. Ceviche. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like once Pierre gets inside the city, especially once he gets into the inner city of the Summer Palace, he's going to blow his little cat mind and be like, my gosh. Like, I think his his eyes will dilate really large and his tail will floof up and he'll be like, oh, I can't wait to steal everything from this place. Absolutely. No, that's the thing. Absolutely. Like, there's more for him to get his little greasy little mitts on than any place he's ever been mm-hmm. you know it's it's a candy store for this little cat burglar yeah which i'm excited about i'm excited to see that i'm excited to try and break this fucking universe that you've made i <laughs> hope that you i'm curious to see how you roll because i'm not gonna yeah. i'm gonna make you work for it because these yeah. houses yeah. are like uh prison they're like what what's the word i want to say i want to say <laughs> prisons they they are like fort a knox yeah they're, like a <laughs> they're locked up good and tight so you'll have to roll very well to be able to get your way in there I don't if you're want breaking it, in. Yeah, I, I don't want it to be easy, but I do feel like, you know, I think there's a lot of really interesting narrative potential here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited to come up with a dumb, like, heist scheme, that, you know, that can maybe be an interesting thing for the party to go and deal with, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe that isn't part of the story, mm-hmm. right? But I, I think... It's nice to have in your back pocket. Yeah. Like I said, I think there's a lot of really interesting potential there. Yeah. And I also really like the idea of maybe being beholden to this like bigger group they have leverage over me mm-hmm. you know how do i get out of that sort of bind yeah or maybe i like being bound <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> well also okay i'm now thinking from my narrative standpoint knowing that this is a, a motivation for your character right yeah. to get this get his little pause on this art um because i do have several scenarios set up here in which people will come and they will try to petition you to assist them and obviously the question you would ask is what's in it for me blah 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 yeah certainly and so knowing that your character may be swayed, like maybe they've been here for a few days and they've been unsuccessful to get into any of the places on their mark yet, yeah. where the art yeah. is that they want. And the person who, who petitions them is very observant and they say, I know what you're after and I can get you some of our most valuable pieces if you assist me in my quest. No, absolutely. And like having that kind of leverage. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a thing that Pierre, that excites Pierre. Like mm-hmm. that's part, as much as it is having the art, you know, succeeding at stealing something, it's the act of doing it that's really, really fun yeah. for him. So I'm, I cannot wait to set him loose on the <laughs> world of, uh, Savinturo. Now you're uh, just doing it on purpose. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, I think this is going to be really, really fun. I cannot wait to play this. Yay. Um, I, I also, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked about this. Um, I've been 
really like trying to get myself into the mindset of Pierre here. I've, I've had a French beer and an Italian cocktail here in front of me for most of this episode. This is the war that's going on in my mind. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, and inside your gut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I going for Vincenzo uh, Perugia or am I going for a Pierre Delecto with this character? <laughs> the Delecto but, is the best yeah. part of it. <laughs> Delecto is the best part of it. So yeah, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, Pierre Delecto, the, the French version. But, wow. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I'm really excited for this. I think, um, this is something that will be fun to revisit maybe in a few weeks after we've had a chance to play mm-hmm. as this character and in this world. I hope this is an interesting and fun thing for you listeners because I, this is a little bit different of a format than we've typically done. Like I said, we're <laughs> some a little different. Oh, some a little different this week. Put that on your bingo board. We're we're trying to have a little bit more intentionality and direction with our creations. So um, I would love to hear your feedback. If you think there's something that Pierre Delecto, the cute little cat man in a tuxedo, should be interested in, <laughs> I I want to hear your feedback. Um, consider please reaching out to us on Twitter or mm-hmm. on, at, at our email address uh, and let us know what you think would be a fun kind of motivation or a fun background or a fun backstory or history or an adventure that Pierre has previously been on. Um, share that with us. That's always really exciting. And, uh, you know, maybe we can use that to infuse our creation here with a little bit more spice. And yeah. if you want to reach out in that way, Piper specifically, how can our listeners find us? Um, well, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're at World Forge pod on twitter um me specifically if you have questions about the world i'm working on i am at piper art c um the letter c uh i'd be happy to run things by you guys if you have feedback or or thoughts uh the more detailed this world is the more confident i will be to put my players (laughs) into it so i'm happy to share i have so many documents that i've put together (laughs) and we love collaborating with you guys honestly you know we talk about this all the time the best way to create something bigger and better is to get other people perspectives you know just having this conversation even here today on this episode piper has given me so many different ideas of where to take pierre you know i I feel like i had a really strong idea of what i wanted pierre to be before we started recording and now i'm just i'm so set like i'm ready to go with pierre so so glad um this is a really fun valuable thing if you need to workshop a character that you are creating or if you want to help us create something or if you you know any thoughts that you have about a world that you're involved in or uh you know about to start building uh let us know that's so exciting for us to get to help with we we love being a part of these conversations with you all so yeah um please consider that and if you really want to do you know, the extra, go the extra mile to support our show. <laughs> Consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, a uh, five star rating and a nice little comment. It really just makes our day and does the world to help get our show in front of new listeners. It's the best way by far that you can help increase the reach of our show other than maybe strapping someone to a chair and forcing them to listen uh, clockwork orange style. <laughs> so uh, that would, that would also be appreciated, but not expected. So exactly. <laughs> uh, consider doing that. And I think now on that note, it is maybe time for us to hop on over to the rec room, the rec room. Uh, and we have a, a really cool recommendation this week. So we don't talk about this a lot on the show, but another aspect of role-playing that I, I really am 
I, I love, like, I think a big part of this hobby that is not necessary, certainly, but is really fun is, uh, miniatures, like painting and modeling and, and building kind of scenery and set pieces mm-hmm. for your games. And in the last few weeks, I've been following, uh, this YouTube channel that it's just a delight. Um, it's this guy, he goes by Studson Studios on Studson, Studson Studios <laughs> on YouTube. Um, and he, he, I think he has a lot of very kind of like memeable content. He's got a really great sense of humor. All of his videos, they're really short and succinct and he creates, um, scenery based on a lot of like movies and like video games and things like that that are, it's just fun to watch even outside of it being applicable to your D&D games. He did the, uh, Spirited Away bathhouse. He one, did, right? he, yeah. So yeah. he did a model of the Spirited Away bathhouse. He did a model of his childhood home in as though it was the, visitor center in jurassic park wow he did for cyberpunk he did a shrek outhouse in a (laughs) cyberpunk theme um he he's hilarious honestly it's a really a breath of fresh air i think in the miniature modeling and scenery community on youtube um there's a lot of really great techniques that he talks about and also he's just really funny like genuinely hilarious to watch um Mm -hmm. if you are a fan of like black magic craft or any of the other like really big uh, like you know miscast terrain or uh dm scotty any of the big scenery making uh youtube channels i think you'll really really like studs and studios because you learn a lot and also have a good time while you're doing it yeah. um i i definitely recommend it so that's s-t-u-d-s-o-n studson studios mm-hmm. um he makes a video about every every week or two or something like that and they're always delightful he made a pokemon center kleenex box <laughs> recently <laughs> which was really fun um he, yeah he's done a lot of stuff that's really delightful uh, so consider going and checking him out and giving him your support. He's, you know, got a Patreon and everything like that, obviously, but, mm-hmm. uh, any engagement I'm sure is appreciated. So, uh, short of showing us your support. Yeah. Um, you know, support you can fellow you can artists. Send it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much also for listening to us this week. Thank you. Uh, thank you. We are, we're still, we're staying strong. You know, we're in a new year. Uh, a whole, a whole new world is out there waiting for us all to, yeah. to build and be a part of. And, and, uh, we hope that you all are staying strong just as we are and continuing to role play and just, you know, have fun with your friends and, and use this as an opportunity to kind of shine some light into what seems at many times an increasingly dark and gloomy world. Uh, we, we hope this is a fun little reprieve for you. Yeah. It's uh, our jobs to yes. escape. It's the escapism. It's the love of going someplace nice. Absolutely. And we're a place where you have control over your life. Absolutely. Yes. So if, if you need more of this, we'll be back again next week with another very, very fun topic for you. And uh, we just have to thank you all listeners for being so wonderful. Here is to another very exciting year of World Forge and a very exciting year of your love and support and appreciation you mm-hmm. guys are the best uh we we couldn't do this without you yeah and we'll be back again next week so, yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> goodbye everybody take care we love you see you later keep it frosty